Welcome to the Food Intelligence Podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights shaping the future of food and beverage. This is Lee Brimer filling in for our regular host, Miriam Eniel. In today's episode, we're taking a retrospective look at the top consumer trends that dominated the food and beverage scene in 2023. We'll examine how these trends have evolved and whether they deserve our attention in 2024. The food and beverage industry is constantly evolving and new trends emerge all the time. In 2023, we saw that several interesting trends gained popularity from the rise of foods for functional health to the increased popularity of ingredients that are embracing fusion flavor. So what does this mean for 2024? Are these trends here to stay or will they simply fade away? Whether you're a food industry professional or just a curious consumer, this is the episode for you. Enjoy. I'll start off with just a little bit of an intro. Who are we? Who is TasteWise? Why do we do what we do? As well as more importantly about trend prediction. How does trend prediction work? And can we rely on it to predict the future? First of all, looking at TasteWise as a whole, we are an AI platform specifically built for the food and beverage industry. So when it comes to understanding your consumers, you should be turning to data that's specific to your industry extremely important for contextualizing data. The example that I like to use is when it comes to how people talk about, let's say, food and beverage versus how they talk about health or travel. It's a a different language. It's a different nuance. So having a company that's really focused on food and beverage alone brings that expertise to the plate. Our company, quickly, we have tons of professionals that work for us, both on the go-to-market side as well as the development side that come from food and beverage companies like the, some of the largest ones you see here. And our community as well, we have a fantastic customers that are only food and beverage based, some of the biggest ones in the world. Now um, we're here to talk about trends. So I wanna move on and kind of take a bit of a macro view on what is happening in the world. So some of you may have seen this, I presented this last week as well, but there's some huge factors that, have, that are affecting what's happening in the world, not just in terms of what consumers and how they're consuming, but also in the industry, what products are available. We have huge pressures like climate change. We also have regulatory challenges. Geopolitical is huge when it comes to supply chain, for example. And all of these are in the bottom line affecting how consumers are making decisions. So this is the really big picture. I also want to maybe share a staggering fact. Maybe it's not so staggering to some of you guys here, but when it comes to data itself and how we use data to predict the future, there's just such an inflow of data these days. We see from Forbes magazine that they say 90% of the data in the world was generated over the last two years. Just to put that in perspective, we have the stat I shared here is that Instagram posts, there's new Instagram posts Over 46,000 new Instagram photos are posted every moment, every minute. That is staggering. And it's a bit scary to think about all of what's out there. But luckily for you guys, the food and beverage industry, especially those looking to understand the food and beverage industry, it means that there's a wealth of data for which to run artificial intelligence on in our case, but also to back up your decisions. No longer are we sitting around the boardroom and 
saying, hey, I think we should be using, you know, apples as the new flavor for our campaign. Or what about this idea? Like, it's not good enough to do that anymore. You need to have the data to back it up. And like we see here, the data is there. So when the data is there, you need to have a good way to understand it. Right. I'll talk a little bit about TasteWise, our engine, how we look at data. We segmented into a couple different sources here. So first, I'll just share the, the sources that we're using. We're looking at both. We're really breaking down where consumers are consuming food and beverage. What does that mean? We're looking at home cooking, what people are doing at home with food when they're preparing food, whether that's depending on recipes, looking for inspiration online. The other factor that we're looking at is, of course, social media. That's where people are talking about food. I know that in my community, as well as what I've read in terms of stats, there is a staggering amount of people, especially from a younger generation. They say from millennials, Gen Z, and not quite yet Gen Alpha, but I'm sure that they will be, won't eat their food before they take a picture of it. Crazy or not, it gives us a lot of data to work with when it comes to sharing what people are eating and more importantly, why they're eating it. Social media is a great resource to understand the motivations behind people's food choices. So not just here's a photo of pasta, but like, I love the rich, creamy flavor of this rosé sauce that's using, you know, coconut cream instead of cream because I'm on a plant-based diet. We learned so much from that kind of data. We're also looking at restaurant data, um, specifically, so out of home, what are people doing when they go out to eat? What are restaurants having on their menu? How are they describing that? What claims are they calling out? As well as delivery. When you don't quite have the power to go out to your favorite restaurant and you order into your food, what are people delivering? What are the best-selling items in different regions? What items are being ordered more or are more popular for ordering online versus having in-store? We're also looking at e-retail as well, what people are buying on the shelves. A lot of us have our groceries or um, products delivered these days, so that's a great source, as well as working with our customers to incorporate their data as well. Now, I'm going to skip a little bit here, but what I want to share from this slide is essentially that a lot of how we're understanding food and beverage these days is a bit outdated. We're not taking advantage of all the data that's out there, and we're often turning to other people to help us understand it. It's hard for many companies to say, okay, here's all this data out here. Now I know what to do with it. They'll often have to bring, let's say, bring in an outside source or work on an agency uh, basis, which really slows down the cycle of product development, of coming out with engaging marketing campaigns, hitting the mark really quickly, and in our case today, being ahead of the trends. So with that said, I want to dive into some of the trends here. So the first trend that we are going to look at is the end of healthy eating and the importance of rituals. So when it comes to what we presented last year, um, and whether it was right or it was wrong, we saw quite a decrease in the consumer interest in general health. Now, health as a concept is not going anywhere. Health and food, health and wellness, health and beverage are so intertwined. But what's interesting is that consumers aren't just talking about health or healthy anymore. It's not good enough to say on your product, as I'm sure all of you know in your own domain, that this is great for healthy eating or you should turn to this for your health. Consumers are looking for more nuanced claims. So what I'm showing you on this slide here is on the top graph, we're looking at consumer interest in general health related to food and beverage over time from 2020, the end of 2020, until the end of 2022. And we see that general 
decline in that speech about health. Of course, with that annual peak for New Year's uh, around January. And what I did is on the bottom here is I took another screenshot here from the TasteWise platform. And from the end of uh, 2022 to the end of 2023, we see that that trend is continuing. People are still talking about health in and of the word itself, much less. It's down 20, almost 23%, 22% since last year. However, of all conversations of food and beverage, um, if we see in the share column here, of all conversations of food and beverage, without any category in, in general, 5% of them have to do or mention health. So health is still extremely important to consumers. It's just not good enough anymore to talk about health in general. This is from our, your, uh, our report last year. So we're talking about specific ways that people are dealing with health and essentially calling out specific health benefits doesn't just work when it's a, you know, calling out for stress reduction or calling out for, you know, weight management, something like that. Even specific ones like hair and skin or, or eye health. We really want to tailor these, not just to those specific health claims, but also to times of the day. People are looking to find those functional health benefits, those specific ones, at many times during the day. So these were the examples that we used last year. We're looking at um, something in the morning, make sure to keep your body fueled, fire up your immune system as we get ready to eat every day. Of course, when it comes to ritual and ritual behavior, breakfast and morning is such an important part of people's day to day. And they talk about it a lot, giving you energy. We're looking at call outs for specific health claims like fertility. We're looking at libido enhancing here, sleeping better, milk and cookies, milkshake should be the, on the main menu. And um, less bloat, sleep better, gives, you digest, gives your digestion a break. So consumers are talking about things that are healthy, but they're looking for specific callouts for that health. And this is going to be really helpful when you talk about your products, especially let's say you work for a CPG and you have a you know, milk or cookie related product. Of course, you want to talk about you know, the health benefits or, or the, the fun ways that you can incorporate that into your consumer's life, but you want to make sure that your marketing campaigns tailor to those specific health needs. And you can even have fun with it, like milk and cookies, of course, like kind of a traditional thing as a snack or, or an evening snack. Okay, the last thing I want to point out here, what we talked about um, last year for the 2023 Trend Predictions Report is the consumer interest in gourmet breakfast over time. So people looking to add a bit of oomph to their normal routines by going a bit gourmet with breakfast. So we saw a 44% increase in consumer discussions around gourmet when it comes to the morning time over the last two years. Now, what I want to do is bring this to where we are today. The rise of rituals are still happening at all points of the day. We see specifically when it comes to ritual behavior that people are talking about mornings, breakfast, kind of all occasions of mealtimes of the day. But I wanted to call out specifically as something to watch for 2024, the breakfast mealtime, as well as snacking and the afternoon. We've seen that although morning really dominates the discussion in general, we want to make sure that you're focused on those, those maybe a little bit more niche mealtimes and, and eating occasions where we're seeing consistent growth over the last two years. So we're looking at here, breakfast, snack, and afternoon. And we're seeing from September 2021 all the way till September 2023 that these have been on the rise. And 
it's great to talk about this with you know some some charts, some numbers. Um, but for those that are a little bit more visual, I wanted to share kind of what some of these rituals look like. Like what do they actually manifest in when it comes to consumer behavior, when it comes to people engaging with this content? So I pulled a couple examples um, from our platform that really call out ritual and that all mention some kind of health benefit as well. So I wanted to look across multiple sources. Again, that's one of the things that makes trend predictions so powerful is you're looking at not just a sample of data, you're looking at a huge amount of data and you're looking across multiple sources. So I, I had a morning ritual acai bowl here and that would be like a, a fun way to start off your day, maybe a little bit more indulgent for some, but still trending on like acai, which was, you know, of course up a couple of years ago and some some things like plant-based eating as well. What I can call out here too is a recipe, your daily detox, instead of eating a meal for breakfast, replacing it with, you know, a smoothie, having that as your ritual. And the last one that I wanted to, to point out from social media, which it was trending really, really well over the last year, was kind of a more indulgent breakfast, but still enjoyed on a weekday. So I'm not sure how many of you guys know San of Loet and their content, but they do some great stuff. This one isn't just about a morning ritual. This is the dish that I eat every morning, and this is what I like to start my day off with. It's all about being packed with protein and specifically finding times in the day to pack that extra protein punch. So we see here in the morning as part of a, a morning ritual where she'll then make this often put it in the oven, warm it up a little bit, cook it up. And the where she's getting a lot of the protein here is from, uh, I just want to call it out because it's maybe interesting to some of you, is both protein powder as well as cottage cheese. All right, I want to move on here. And just before we move on to the next trend, so to follow off, looking for 2024, we're seeing actually an increase and I wanted to call this out specifically in bedtime and late night eating occasions, especially when it comes to protein. When people are looking for that protein punch, of course, it's relevant throughout the day, but we've seen a pretty consistent growth in that late night eating occasion, that late night snack. And just to give you an idea of, again, why this is uh, powerful, we're looking at for this information, over 400,000 people. So this is not a small sample size. This is not you know, a survey that we've run or anything like that. This is a huge amount of people that are mentioning protein, specifically in more evening time occasions, bedtime snacks, late night snacks. I'll share a couple examples of what this looks like too. So we see that this is uh, the cure for the midnight munchies, for example, a protein packed um, bar here, perfect for pre-workout fuel, afternoon snack or late night treats. So really hitting on all those occasions. And um, I'm sure some of you are familiar with uh, the trend of posting what you eat in a day, everything I eat in a day, and then I'll, I'll go down to late night snack, cottage cheese, almond butter, honey. So that's a, a photo of that there. And, and what we can see is people are getting that indulgence, that late night snack, but still seeking that protein late in the day. All right, let's continue on here. Consumers, I want to call this out again, consumers are seeking more specific health claims when it comes to food and drink. We're seeing health in general on the decline. Over the last year, people are talking about healthy less. That doesn't mean that they're less interested in health. That just means that we have to get better at understanding the consumers and understanding what health claims they're looking for. The next claim that we want, or the next trend that we, I want to re-explore is women's health. And this is a graph from our last year's trend prediction report, 2023. 
trend predictions. And it says, don't shy away from addressing women's health claims. And just some examples here, we've seen a, a large increase in social discussions, as well as some recipes too, about menopause, fertility, miscarriage, sex drive, libido, women's health in general. There's a ton of other terms that come into this, whether it's hormone health, bal balance, menstruation, premenstrual, um, postpartum, anything like that. We want to make sure that we're not shying away from talking about women's health and specifically calling it out when we're talking about functional food and beverage. Keep in mind, this is half of the world's population and at most women in their, in their lives, over a third of women are in some way, shape or form going through some form of women's health and menstrual and, and everything there. So it's really important to call that out as well. Specifically, when it comes to menopause support as well, this is something we called out for last year. We saw a 100% increase in discussions of menopause and menopause support in food and beverage. Still a fairly small claim, but we're seeing a growth there. So this top graph over here is from September 2020 to 2022. And the one at the bottom is this last year. So September 2022 until September 2023. We're seeing that, that slow but steady increase and definitely worth mentioning as well. I also want to call out another claim here, hormone health. And this is something that's gone up over 100% over the last two years, and it's still on the rise. So really important to, to call this out in your, whether it's something that's important enough to you and your brand to call out on pack, or if it's something that you want to address maybe in your advertising as well. People are looking for it. This is an opportunity. I want to show you a couple ways quickly how this manifests again in some examples. Last year, we called out flax as a, as a great ingredient to watch. That still is the case or anything that is really rich when it comes to omega-3. So that can be, you know, other things like fish or seeds, herbs. Some examples here when people are talking about hormone health, we see recipes for hormone changes are not something related to menopause, but it's an issue that we have our whole lives. We need to have solutions that are helping our hormone needs throughout our life, not just, not just related to menopause. We see people buying here, for example, a seed cycle snack ball mix. I love this. This is such cute packaging as well. And it's a, a mix to make at home seed-based kind of protein snack that's going to help you out from periods to menopause and can be used in a snack ball, smoothie, yogurt, or oatmeal. And I also wanted to call out creators as well, for example, like Dr. Mary Claire, who is OBGYN. She's fantastic. Uh, you should definitely follow her if this is a field of interest to you, that she has content that's calling out many food and beverage benefits to go along with this. So this is something that is still on the rise and something to look out for. Fusion flavors. Fusion flavors are here to stay. So what do I mean by that? When it comes to fusion flavors, we've seen a huge rise in people talking about different flavors in different categories of their food. For example, last year, what we called out in the trend report was in condiments. We've seen a huge fusion of flavor when it comes to sweet and spicy. Spicy honey was our trend to watch out for, and we saw a huge growth year over year. We're also looking for claims like nostalgia as well. And nostalgia is still very much both on the plate and on the menu. We see some examples. These are from our 2023 report. I'll be happy to share this as well. I just saw another in the chat. I don't see either. Now, moving on to where are we today? 
Fusion flavors are still on the rise. Over the last year, we've seen fusion as a concept continue to trend across category. People are talking about fusion when it comes to tastes, for example, like sweet, spicy, or spicy, as we like to call it here. Salty, sweet are ones that we've seen before, but also in terms of cuisines as well. People are looking to include different cuisines in their menus too, not just featuring, for example, Korean, but doing a Korean-Mexican fusion taco, bringing in flavors from different areas of the world to, uh, to meet that fusion need. We're seeing a lot of trending actually in the fusion, specifically in the dessert category. So I want to call that out. We'll talk a little bit more about this on the 2024 Trend Predictions webinar with more examples. But when it comes to the dessert category, we're seeing fusion on the rise. So this is a trend prediction model on our platform that's all about combining and weighting the different sources we use to give you an idea of what's upcoming for the next year. In the last minute here, I wanna show you some examples of what this looks like for consumers. So we see a sweet potato pie calling out sweet and spicy flavor. We see a Cinco de Mayo chocolate chip taco. There's a sweet and spicy spin on this nostalgic frozen treat. And the last one, pickle and popcorn soft serve. So this has over 100,000 likes, is a fairly recent post, and also is something that people are looking for. It has a slightly buttery and salty flavor and is super creamy. So talk about that fusion, not just in cuisine, but also in flavors as well. Something to look out for in 2024, fusion flavors in categories like sauces and desserts. So we're still seeing those sauces as last touch points on people's meals and as well as in that nightcap or that dessert moment too. Looking back over what we've talked about today, we're seeing that routine and ritual are experiencing ongoing growth and to call out those specific health claims and not focus on health in general. That leads us into women's reproductive health continued to be talked over on 14% more than last year. And when it comes to fusion flavors, we're seeing a lot of increase in social discussions as well as an especially large growth in fusion of flavors when it comes to desserts. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. And I hope you guys enjoyed today. Thanks for joining. We're happy to have you here. 